we're back. All right, back with another Big Hunt Guys podcast. We've got Neville, Trail, we've got Ryan Lampers here, all hanging out in Vegas heat. It is so hot. Yeah, it's, you guys got the heat. It's still kind of humid today. Yeah, went out for lunch, and it's got to be 105. Yeah. It's a lot cooler than what it normally is, so you guys should count your blessings. We've been, get, we've been getting a lot of rain lately, Trail. I know. We've had a ton in Cedar City, too. It's been great. I just want to remind you guys, too, we have a little special promo for anyone looking to either sign up for Insider or sign up for our Explorer membership. So sign up for Insider right now. Use promo code PODCAST and get you 50 points for the Go Hunt Gear Shop. That's 50 bucks back if you could buy some gear. And if you want to buy Explorer, standalone maps membership, use promo code PODCAST, get you 20 points to go on Gear Shop. So best of both worlds. Get some Insider, do some research, check out maps on Insider. Just want maps with Explorer, win-win. It's a win-win. We're paying you to sign up. We're literally giving you money to sign up. Yeah. Promo yeah. code PODCAST. Get after it. Use some of those points, get some, yep. get some gear. That's exactly right, Brady. All right. I can hear someone breathing really loud. Let's make sure we have these things. Oh, there we go. There we go. Someone's breathing really, it's really loud. It's always true with his nose. Mouth breather. Can't help it. I need that surgery. Do you know the one where they go in and clear out your nose? What do they call that? Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. They, like, drill it out. Huh. I need that. Would you get punched in the nose when you are a kid? No, I just think I got a narrow nose. Whoa. <laughs> Narrow nose. Yep. I don't know. I don't breathe through my nose real well. So when you're elk hunting, you can't smell those elk? No. I can't hear them either. Getting old. Dang. Yeah, I know. It's rough, isn't it? You need all your senses, bud. I know. When you're out there. I wonder how many comments we're going to get after watching this YouTube, how Lampers and Brady look the exact same. Mm. Kind of cut from the same cloth, too. Yeah. Addicted to mountains. Addicted to pain. Addicted to mule deer. Addicted to mule deer. I agree on. with that. I got him beat in the beer department, though, yeah. right now a little bit. And the hair. We kind of, you kind of changed it up. Like I, you went full length out on the sides. Yeah, I, I just trimmed, trimmed my it hair too. My, well, the only reason I cut my hair is my mom came being in June, so <laughs> gotcha. I figured I got to look a little does, nice. Does your pack ever get your hair get caught in your pack, Mm-mm. like behind it? What? Mm-mm. No way. That's when I, Mine's mine, too mine long. Kinda, I'll it? like put it on or I take it off. It like pulls my hair in the M- back. Mine will grab underneath the shoulder straps for like turn really quickly. That's something that's pinched right Well, there. usually after a good hunt, if I did it right, like it's already dreaded and it's just like up in a ball up here. But this yeah. doesn't doesn't snag much at that point. I was pulling off a lot of dreads on that uh, bear hunt earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like you did something good in the mountains when you're pulling dreads out of your hair, right? Yeah. How about the ticks? Pull a lot of ticks off, but that, they get trapped like right. I don't know about you guys, but like every time I grab a tick, if I don't see it on my clothes, it inevitably it just ends up right at my hairline, right, right yeah. under that mop of mine. So same spot every time. You guys were checking each other for ticks, weren't you? Look like a couple monkeys out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lampers, get down. Let me look at your head. Dude, we, we actually lucked out this year. This was probably, well for a lot of years i don't ever remember a year where there was fewer ticks than yeah. this year like generally we're picking what 500 a thousand ticks off in a few days just flicking them off and um it's like a handful hmm. hardly any this year yeah, what is that it's really easy it's, it's got to be some answer to that right some climate climate oh. issue or all some we could, moisture issue all we could chalk it up to is cooler weather we mm-hmm. definitely had much lower temps than usual um you know we weren't getting those 70 to 80 degree days this year it seemed like rainstorm cool temps 50 degrees rainstorm 
So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly why, but it was definitely a different weather year for spring bear. Yeah. Where we were. Yeah, do you ever have them, you ever had, had them in you? Ticks? A tick? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lyme disease, do you worry about that? It's been a while. So, I got Lyme way way back before Lyme was cool yeah. it was yeah, everybody's uh, had it now <laughs> everybody's had it it's like so, covid <clears throat> i was back uh hunting turkeys in washington state way back in the day down by uh goldendale and those oaks down there and just loaded with ticks and yeah and i got bit um came back back then it was like you didn't see a whole lot of information on lyme disease I remember my dad, I think, read it in an old Outdoor Life magazine. Like, it was just coming onto the scene. And I think I was the eighth case that they documented. Oh, oh wow. So they hit me with a dose of I don't know what, but cleared it out. But I had that classic bullseye. Got me right on the belt oh, line, yeah. and it was buried and sat there overnight. And, um, yeah, I got it out. I didn't get the head out, but it was a classic bullseye. Um, swole up and all that and mm. caught it soon so no effects down the road fortunately got lucky then yeah. sure. so you don't have any if you catch it soon enough it just goes away like if you take medicine and mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. i always thought if you get it you have it for life no you can you can knock it out in the early stages nice. but it does get to a point where i don't know that there's anything that they can really do still that i've heard of that's effective that's when you get a tick on you that's like the size like you find on your dog it's like oh. a <laughs> nasty no thanks wolf. no thanks no <laughs> Hasn't kept you from bear hunting, though. Mm -mm. No, <laughs> no. Well, it's interesting because I don't know what changed, but they, they did used to, like, bury in me. I used to get them and yeah. try to get them out, um, carve them out. But I haven't had one bury in me for probably 15 years that actually got in. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, we do a lot of tick checks, but we're not that diligent about no. it. And, you know, you go to bed and, you know, late late evening and, there's this whole time, and we sleep in floorless shelters all the time, so there's definitely opportunity for them to probably latch on, but I just feel like I always grab them right before they get to you. Now, I've hunted with guys, and they're always getting kind of dug into a little bit. They catch them quick. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, man, I don't like ticks. No. Like, you go out and do a, a big spring shed hunt, and like that first one that you see on your pant leg, it's like the rest of the day, you're hardly at all looking for sheds because yeah. you're just constantly looking at your pant legs, looking for ticks. Yeah. That, yeah. That's why I fully switched over to solid clothes in the spring. Mm -hmm. It's a good tip. On you. Yeah, it's a good tip. You see them a lot better. Your partner sees them on you, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. The sure. stool is what I like. The glassing oh, yeah. stool. So you're not actually sitting on the ground. The illusion of ticks can't climb. Aluminum yeah, poles or carbon poles, whatever those are. Climb up your boots a little bit. Yeah, they, they your come ankle. off. Yeah, they come off of grass and vegetation. They hang yeah. out on the ends of those grass blades, they and you do. walk by, they just glom onto your pant leg. Yeah. I was right out of college. I took this job. I was doing um, Mexican spotted owl surveys for like oil and gas development on the book cliffs in the spring. So we had these calling stations that we had like lined out with GPSs, and we'd hike into these canyons and we'd sit and do you know calling stations all night long. So we <laughs> would start at like 10 o'clock at night and we'd finish at like three, four in the morning. So like all night you're out hiking in the dark. And I remember we'd strip down in the headlights and we'd just be like four dudes standing there naked just <laughs> picking ticks off of us because you'd have hundreds of them. I mean they would be everywhere. Yeah. No it thanks. Freak, brutal. freak me out. Yeah, I don't like ticks. No uh -huh. thanks. Yeah, I had a buddy way back uh, when we were doing a lot of turkey hunting, and he had one bury, like, right smack in the middle of his armpit. <clears throat> and he didn't even know it was there until he was actually starting to, like, the muscle in that area started getting sore. And, I mean, it was buried and full and, you know, full tilt. And uh, 
uh, we had to dig that little puppy out of there and try to get the head off, you know, because that'll be the head popped off trying to get the yeah. body out. And then sticking a knife in there and trying to root that thing out was not much fun for him. No, definitely not very fun. <laughs> no, no. So that's about the worst. Nah, that's probably not the worst spot, but it's one of the worst spots that you could probably get a tick buried. Yeah, so you live in Montana now, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're from, Washington? Yep, Washington State. That phone number follows me everywhere. Washington yeah. State, small town, big town? Small town. So, uh, yeah, grew up in Snohomish, Washington, little cow town kind of northeast of Seattle, I guess. And then, um, yeah, after I ended up getting married to my wife, I met up in Alaska, we ended up settling down in a small town of Granite Falls. And Granite, again, it's like hour and 10 minutes or something northeast of Seattle, um, well outside the, you know, the, the craziness of King County and all that. But, yeah, small town. Definitely grew significantly while we were there, but 20-plus years I lived there. Yeah. I, I was wa- I see on your Instagram you're, like, posting all these old-ass photos of you. I'm like, my God, this guy's hunted everywhere in Washington and killed just about everything there is possible <laughs> in that state. Oh, we just lived there a long yeah. time. 44 years I spent in that state. So, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time there, and um, I don't think I'll ever leave Montana at this point. Mm. Um if I did, it'd probably be a state like Wyoming, be the only alternative. But yeah, those are the two like remaining good states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's what's Washington like to hunt? Is is because I mean people will call in, right? We obviously cover Washington within our insider platform, and we look at odds and you know application strategy articles. And I've been through all the rules and regs. Typically, when people call me up and they say, "Hey, what about Washington? Should I apply in Washington?" I just say no. Yeah, it's it's just it's not a good answer. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> is it? It is. Yeah, I mean, I. It's I, a tough state. Yeah, I mean, the cost of uh, you know the cost to apply up there. It's huge. Um, when you when you put that up against the opportunities that are available versus the cost to essentially apply and you know go into that system, it just doesn't seem worth it over the long haul. Right. But as a resident of Washington, what's hunting like up there? Yeah, it, it can be pretty good, um, you know, honestly. I think uh, just as a – and I said for years when folks ask, like, what state, if you could hunt for the rest of your life, is Washington State, just because I knew it so well. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm my playground is in Montana, so I'm learning it really well as best as I, that I can. But Washington overall, great state, you know, starting off with bears. It's a um, real high-density bear state, west side, east side. You know, great opportunities. Now, we all probably know, listeners probably know, Washington isn't too friendly to spring bear hunting anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's gone away. But honestly, it never really had a lot of opportunities anyway. You know, it was very tough to draw a spring bear tag in Washington over the years. Um, I sure didn't draw very many of them. So a lot of my, my hunts were in the fall. And one great thing about Washington State is it gives this August 1st, opening date to go chase bears hmm. you can grab multiple tags two tags a piece uh, you can hunt west side you can hunt east side with those tags one on each side of the state so you know there's there's definitely a benefit there and uh that's one big upside to, to hunt in the state on the mule deer front um you know i i was blessed to, to find areas over the years that always had me on good bucks hmm. you know it's it's a really rugged tough mule deer country state for sure there's there's some country in there that's just wild as wild as you're going to get in it you know anywhere else uh alpine country elevation isn't you're not above tree line ever mm. you know you're looking at six thousand seven thousand seventy five hundred is about as high as you get overall but 
it produces some great bucks um, in places that they just grow old and die and never get seen. You know, it's real thick in a right. lot of them. Um, you know, a lot of winter range bucks never quite make it to the winter range where they have those late tag opportunities. So, you know, it's always going to have giants in there, those big old heavy dark horn bucks that we all look for. So it was really good to me over the years. Um, I could go back and hunt that state for deer for the rest of my life and be perfectly happy. Now, there's um, definitely more hunters now mm -hmm. than there was 10 years ago. You know, we used to feel like we had the backcountry to ourselves, but even with the numbers being where they are now, there's there's still great opportunities there for chasing bucks, just over-the-counter stuff for residents. Um, now, if you're looking to apply as a non-resident, like you said, Trail, mm -hmm. it's a tough state to even look at. They they really don't treat you very good. Yeah. I mean, just the application fee in Washington State is like 110 bucks, yeah. non-refundable, mm -hmm. buy the license, non-refundable, buy the tag. You know, there's there's a big money hit to apply for that state. But <clears throat> elk hunting can be great. It's a little bit of a different system there. It's kind of wanky. You, you pick east side, west side. Um, if you don't draw anything real special on the east side of the state, mm -hmm. you are basically hunting cows or spikes. So my go-to, my answer to that was I just always hunted the west side of the state, mm -hmm. which, you know, the coastal bowls and that country, it's pretty easy to get away from folks. You know, it's thick. It is much more, um, you know, fo you, you focus on your calling over there for sure. Yeah. It's not a spot and stock area yep. on the coast. But you were able to grab a tag every year, over-the-counter, hunt, chase big bulls, herd bulls every single year. Whereas if you put in for them one of them premium east side tags, if you didn't draw it, you're kind of screwed. Like mm -hmm. yeah. You couldn't, you, you had not many opportunities to even go chase a herd bull. So um, I inevitably just never drew anything, and I just over the countered it right. west side. A lot of times it makes you a better hunter, too, because you're, mm -hmm. you're grinding those units. Yep, keep grinding, keep learning them. You know you're going to have a tag every year. Um, no, it was great. It, it treated me really well. I loved I loved my hunting there, you know. Um, aside from the hunting, I could have done without, you know. It's just it's a busy place. There's a lot yeah. of folks. How did you get to Montana then? Oh, my wife finally talked me into it. She, yeah, come on, she's we got to get in one. Washington. You're like, but no, so there's so many big bucks up here. So I you met your wife in Alaska? Mm -hmm. Were you living up there? I was guiding time? up there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was guiding up there. I actually met her the first year I was up there guiding, so I was a newbie. I was like 21 years old or something <laughs> like that, and uh, somehow she found her way. She grew up in Bozeman, tiny. It was it was a tiny town back then. It wasn't what it is today, and uh, she had to get. She's trying to get out of Bozeman because it was so small, and you know, everybody knew your business. Right. <laughs> and then, um, you know, she regretted that at a certain point. She went to Seattle. Uh, she found that there was this just this job up in Alaska. They made it sound like this is the most romantic, you know, yeah. go. Um, she was actually a massage therapist. She just got out of massage therapy school. And there's like these openings for being a massage therapist up at this lodge. It's like, oh, man, I get to go see Alaska and out in the wilds and do this thing, make great money. Um, she got there and she really couldn't wait to get out of there. It was like, wasn't for her. You got like 30 dudes and then, you know, right. there's this yeah. hot chick that just hops <laughs> off the airplane. And, yeah. You know. Is that, how you, met her? You, is that how you met her? You went in for a guys. massage? You're like, hey. No. <laughs> pretty hot. No. My, my go-to was uh, avoid her like the plague. Like, ignore her. Yeah. And uh, 
Smart tactic. Yeah, just be quiet and yep. let her come to you, I guess. Those let all guys. the other guys make fools of themselves. Yep. And eventually right. it, it it won. It's a good tactic. It, it won in the end. But How long were you guiding up there for? Seven years. So you, you were living in Alaska for seven years? No, it'd be from May to okay. up to October 1st. And then, you know, end of September, mid-September, it's starting to get your daylight hours are very yeah. trimmed down. Um, cold weather at the end there. So, yeah, we'd, we'd start in in May undigging pipes, you know, digging through the permafrost, undoing these pipes, letting them thaw out. So prep for all our clients coming in and then yeah just work it all through all five species of salmon from even pike in there grayling rainbows uh fly out fishing and all these um tributaries to the big lakes it was great and then from there that upper opportunity um came for going to alaska or from alaska to russia so i went over to russia and spent a couple of years over there <laughs> guiding on the kamchatka peninsula right and so it was steelhead fishing on the western side of kamchatka and then we would rainbow fish and kunja and all the other things on the east side so sea of Ahotsk, hit catching steelhead coming in from that side and then we're on the so the you were side. fishing a shit ton mm-hmm. i thought you were talking about like you're guiding like hunting stuff but you were fishing fishing it was it was for fishing yeah basically Mostly. up there just living the dream yeah yeah, yeah. But I, I met did, my I wife that first year, and, and we ended up, uh, yeah, getting married a couple years into our relationship. And um, she held down the fort, and I kept living that life for a while, as long as I could. And um, I really enjoyed it. I got to see a lot mm-hmm. in that time. Did you ever do any hunting up there when you were kind of fish? Just ptarmigan and stuff yeah. like that. You know, we, we, we had a lot of clients come in in the late season, and, um, you know, we'd get them moose and caribou and mm-hmm. things like that. But I never had a tag in my pocket. I was never Dang. able to get a tag in my pocket. So now it was um, most of those humps were hunting off the river. You know, we had mm-hmm. we had float trips. We had jet boats to go up and down uh, this really long, long river system. So it was pretty cool. That was the uh, Katmai area up there. Everything off of Bristol Bay all the way up to those Kukoklik and Nonvonic Lakes and Iliamna and, mm. and that whole area up there. It's pretty neat. Have you been back since to hunt Alaska? Nope. No, nope. any desire? I'm heading up this year. Oh, nice. Yep. Going up this year, moose September, moose and caribou. All right, there you go. Yep. Combo. We're doing a big trip. Um, me and my buddy Kaim and uh, Chris Tobias, who lives up there. Hmm. And we're all just uh, grabbing a couple of rafts and big old long float and got a handful of tags. So we're going to spend two and a half weeks up there chasing them this year. A yes. little bit of fishing. But we got a lot of tags to fill. Yeah. You going to bring so. a bow, rifle? Both. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do both. Just because we are able to get multiple tags. So the yeah. caribou is going to be a lot of fun. I think mm-hmm. that'll be a fun challenge with the uh, with the bow. And um, I know I saw your guys' phone mm-hmm. on when you guys went up and did it. And that was exciting. Yeah. We got we got, we got got lucky on those two stocks. They were bedded just in the perfect spot. When we first got there, we are like, holy shit. <laughs> How are we going to do this with a bow? <laughs> Just it, on the flat tundra. You did it. You yeah. did it. You guys did it. They're pretty curious. I mean, mm-hmm. they're a little like an antelope, you know. They won't just run straight away. But, I mean, like that 100-yard mark is kind of like, yeah, I don't think you, I want you to come any closer, you know. Yeah. Mm. They'll, t- they'll turn around, but they're a curious animal for sure. Mm. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, that'll, I'm excited. That's exciting. I've never 
Yeah, I've been able to chase moose or caribou myself. So, yeah, I'm really excited yeah. for it. Hope you, uh, you've you been hitting the squat rack. The, the back is strong. The back is strong. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. man, those are so big. Those moose are giant. I know. No doubt. That is, uh, that Shoot is the one near the thing. river. <laughs> yeah, the kid we're going, uh, Chris Tobias, he's he's a resident up there, and he's a stud. Kid's real, real yeah. strong, real fit. Hardy. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'll, we got our work cut out, no doubt. Just yeah. because we're, we're – but he's going to have three tags. I'll have three tags. Right. Kyle will have a tag or two. So it's oh, a lot of animals. You guys are going to do some meat chopping and yeah, hauling on that one. Yeah, a lot of meat. Hopefully, yeah. a lot of meat hauls. Is yeah. that your first hunt of the year? Like, Nope. 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 Actually taking advantage of some bear hunting prior to that. So gotcha. I'm going to go try to fill some fall bear tags. Man, you love that bear hunting. He's oh, addicted man. to it. We love it. Is it your favorite? Uh, Meat-wise? Like yeah, I mean, if you had to pick between I, – I, you're a big mule deer guy, right? Mm -hmm. I know that. So mm -hmm. if you – one or the other, bear or mule deer? Oh, mule deer is always on the top. <laughs> it's the top – that's the top of the heap, no doubt about it. I mean, we – I think we should – we should all agree on that, yes. Neville. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if we do, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> oh, are you an elk? Okay, we're 56. <laughs> um, but it goes uh, – this is how it should go. Yeah. And me and Brady both agree. We've had discussions about this. It's it's mule deer first, okay. like way out in front. No, and no, it, no, no question. And no question. And then you got – Big giant age class bears, yep. and then you got elk somewhere down the line, gotcha. and then you you go through like the whole gamut of antelope and jackrabbits right. and porcupines, oh. and then whitetails somewhere way down below. Yeah. Way, <laughs> the way down there. <laughs> uh, Why would yeah. you want to hunt whitetails when you got mule deer, man? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I just want to go sit out. in a stand. I mean, come on. Mm. Neville enjoys that. I'm getting the itch again. I've been whitetail hunting in a long time. Five years. I grew up in Iowa, so I was. Oh yeah. Hunting whitetail all the time, but just this year I've been. I think Trail's been getting in my head. He keeps telling me he's like, "Dude, whitetail honey, man, I really want to do it. I yeah, want to shoot do. a big whitetail buck." Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, "Damn, I do miss." I do have the itch. Yeah, sitting in a stand. I went. I went on this uh, Wisconsin whitetail hunt and shot this little buck, and then uh, which was cool. But like, probably one of the neatest things is we we took it to a meat processor because I was just there for you know five days. So he ran it out to a meat processor, and the guy opened his back, you know, the back to, like, you know, take the buck in. And um, I bet he had, I don't know, 100. <laughs> it was so many deer, just of all shapes and sizes, you know, you know, trophy bucks to, you know, right down to, like, the buck I shot. But, I mean, I could have walked around there and just, like, looked at antlers for, mm. you know, the rest of the day. But just, like, there's so many of them, and, you know, it's just, like, kind of an icon, you know, that – nice basket you know white tail buck i just really have a bad itch right now to shoot a nice white tail so yeah yeah so what is it about mule deer hunting that you like so much are you the same as brady like you just like how tough it is finding a big old mule deer i think it's the hardest animal to take oh, yeah. mature if you you know trying to get a mature old age class mule deer i just don't think it gets much tougher than that you know they're there's they're few and far between right and um, I guess the cliche is it's where they take you. I, I've said that before and heard a lot of people say that. Um, but it truly is. Like, it, it puts you in some incredible places. Um, now, elk does as well, and bear does uh, put you into those places as well. But uh, I always find that uh, – I always feel like I'm, I'm looking down on everything from, from the top when I'm looking for those old, crusty mule deer bucks. So I think just the, the whole chess match of trying to find – locate one and when you do like doing whatever it takes to try to 
you know, put your tag on one is pretty tough. It's yeah. just, it's really tough. What's your, what's your kind of style? Do you do any steel hunting or you like sit in glass as long as you can, or maybe like a mix mm-hmm. of both? Do you have like a preferred style? Definitely glass and, um, Brady and I are probably very similar. You know, we will sit on a perch and just glass our eyeballs off until it doesn't make sense anymore. But um, grabbing those good bandages that uh, offer up the most country or strategically, if you've seen a buck, you know, whatever's going to give you the most strategic place to sit and try to relocate that buck, that's that's just where it's at for me. I, I haven't still hunted in a long time, you know, um, stomping through timber as slow as you can go. I used to do that when I was a kid, and it was just never really effective. Um, it's it, now I know guys, you know, I know Robbie Denning has talked about it at times, and it's it's a great way to to get good bucks that don't ever come out mm-hmm. to be seen. It's just not what um, lights my fire at all. I love seeing something from a distance and then just trying to get in on it and, and make it dead. Of, it's kind of like the best chess match possible. It's mm-hmm. like sitting up there trying to put together those pieces of the puzzle, like glass in that country. It's like a like you said where they take you like it's a poor man sheep hunt yeah you know, top of the mountains it's gorgeous every single day you're waking up having a cup of coffee like mm-hmm. it's, it's nothing better it, yeah i agree and it's uh like for example washington state now there's a place where you're not in the highest of elevations so you know your openings are smaller you know you, i never even needed more than a little 33 power op, uh, spotter back in most places in washington it was pretty pretty tight um but we would look for tracks a lot. You know, a lot of those bucks are in and out of timber and are walking ridges and looking in every saddle we can that made sense. And then, you know, sitting back and trying to figure out where that track was going to be. What opening would we pick up that, tr- you know, that buck in? And we found a lot of great bucks over the years that started from, initially started from just us seeing a mega track. Mm-hmm. Yeah on a ridge or a saddle saddles are always a very telltale going from one side to the other mm-hmm. feed zone to you know bed and um and one of my best bucks came that way it was like just a random spot covering country i had looked at another area i was moving through and and i came across come up you know like a deer would through this saddle to get up to this other ridge and uh that's where i laid eyes on this just giant track huge mm. track like you were walking and you looked down and saw a big tracker. Did mm-hmm. you glass it up? No, no. I just, I was, it was in the dirt. There was no yeah. snow, nothing like that. It was just a huge, huge track that um, was working the area. Like he had been there multiple times. Like he, he was in that space. And uh, so at that point, it was get to the top and just come back and glass what I could see, you know, day in and day out and day in and day out. And I ended up killing that thing at the very end of the trip. Hmm. Like we were on the last day, we went out for our final session, and I had seen him one time prior to this. I'm making this story way too short, but I ended up killing that buck on the very last hour of our last day before we had to boogie down. And um, that all just came from from locating one track that was so impressive that it kept me there. Kept you focused in that one little area. And, and, you know, Washington has some absolute giant body deer. They're Mm. huge. They're they're monster bucks you know literal 300 pound type bucks they they migrate a very long distance um some of those bucks are are moving you know 30 40 miles and through some real rugged type country and so yeah they just get huge they just get big and so typically i would notice much bigger uh feet 
much bigger print on mm-hmm. those deer anyway than a lot of say like the montana bucks i'm chasing now or nevada bucks they just got bigger feet overall but some of those things were like elk tracks i mean Jeez. these giants so. are there like specific areas you're keen in on are you trying to find places that are further away from people you worried about people trying to get in deep or what yeah i think that's always the the number one strategy um is just trying to find those secluded places where you know bucks grow old and die they just never get looked at you know they get to that age and and they just don't get seen by folks and so it's it's mostly you know working your way in like everywhere working your way in on a trail system or not and then just putting a bunch of miles beyond that um, separating from folks but i had some places in washington that someday i'll go back and look at um, but never ever ever really worried about seeing another human or hiker or hunter and they always had a you know bachelor group or two of decent bucks and um yeah it was fun it's just a just a good state for that but i think that the nastiness of the terrain and country just kept people closer to the trail systems what's what's the farthest you've been in i feel like every time i see your videos i'm like my god it looks like he's 30 miles in that shit (laughs) furthest you've ever been in furthest oh like legitimately 20 miles no shit. 20 miles and you you can't really you're going out at that point you're going out the other side yeah working all the way through and then Mm -hmm. had something parked on the other side or something no what (laughs) i mean is like you can get in there's there's still some a few places that you can hike in you know 20 miles ish and then you're coming back out the same way but beyond that and you're you're walking towards a road somewhere Mm -hmm. Um, not many places like that left but no, I, it's it's a rare thing that you get past like ten or twelve, but um, that's, that's a long ways. That's kind of the range, you know, yeah. ten, twelve. Every time 15. I get that far out, I'm like, my gosh, I got to pack out a deer. No wonder yeah. you guys don't like yeah. elk hunting. You're going in fucking twenty yeah. miles. Yeah. You can't carry an elk out. It'll take you a whole week. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'd break your back. Yeah. I like I like my back. That's why I appreciate a mule deer. Oh, Even yeah. a big old buck, it gets pretty heavy, but you can still do it. Debone that sucker. That's right. You can you can one trip a mule deer out. But it hurts. It's it painful. Hurts. Like right. it, it's not good for you. But yeah. you know, a lot of those big mature bucks, um, you know, you're scraping a hundred pounds of meat off it. Now add the the head and if you're Brady, probably the hide, maybe. Yep. Likes those Always mounts. Have the hide. Are you um, a skull capper? You just I used just to skull euro. cap a lot, Hell but yes. then I just euro. <laughs> that, that's yeah. Trail's motto. His motto is I want to make cap. him a shirt that says skull cap that skull fucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the first words out of my mouth uh, as soon as we're done pulling yeah. all the meat off. There you is, go. You want to pack that skull. Let's skull cap that. So we just cut the skull cap out and get out. Yeah. That's what we did growing up. That's mm-hmm. what my dad had us do. Just bring that little saw and skull cap it. But now I take I like those euros. Yeah, like the skull. they are cool. Getting them all bleached out and all that. So, yep, take the take that out. But yeah, your pack is going to be extremely heavy because mm-hmm. you don't want to do that trip twice. And that's when no I doubt. wish I did not carry the Hubble scope and I can't my giant you rifle. That thing. Dude, I've how does he Brady, walk around with that? Thing? I don't know. I don't know. I've seen his system, and he's really light down to the uh, what is that Neo Air? Yeah, yeah, Uber like light. Ounce, Uber light. Yeah. Uber light. And then, like, he's, he's shaved all this weight, and there's, like, not a an, an half ounce um, in there that's, you know, not getting used for something important. And then he breaks out his spotter and his rifle. Yeah. And that's where all the weight is. That's, like, 20 pounds right there. That's Spotter and rifle. Pounds. Maybe a little more than that, actually, because 14-pound rifle. 14-pound rifle. Six-and-a-half, seven-pound spotter. Gosh, what What is your take on optics as far as what you take? I, I, I don't know. I 
I try to, that 65 mil is kind of my go-to. Yeah. 95% of the hunt. Like a swaro. The only time it gets bigger than that is like if uh, we're down in Arizona or more open country. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe Colorado in some places, you know, 85. But I don't do what Brady does. Brady's got the Hubble. That yeah. I love, <laughs> I love I like look, that looking through it's it. Look it's through. great. Yeah. We got some really good, uh, you know, scope footage of it of critters of bears and things like that but definitely not one to want to pack that thing yeah. 65 millimeters 10s on your right. chest or 12s or what do you like go back and forth between 10s and 12s mm-hmm. um getting more blind with my old age so 12s are kind of it for me yeah i've been wishing i had some slc 15s and mm-hmm. i sold them to buy a plane ticket to alaska when i went moose hunting and i've got an elk tag in some country that's just so big this year and i've been scouting this summer and wishing i had those 15s back so oh yeah 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 they, yep. they i might have to find another pair and throw her on the I old credit card you. I, for, I forgot to bring you some i have those <laughs> nice 15s you can use yeah i, I need them for sure hmm. what uh i was gonna ask you um i mean you, you're known i think at least you know i what I, I follow along with you 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 take mature bucks most often you've taken some great bucks what do you think like the key is to finding that next age class because i think a lot of us go out there you know we see you know basket four point buck you know 140 inch buck maybe 150 inch buck but like what's the key to to finding that next level of maturity in a buck Mm -hmm. in your mind um i think i can't really narrow it down to one thing i think it's just uh your whole system everything that you do from having having the right gear uh that you can comfortably pack around keep on your back and cruise country um, the ability to go in far and deep is important. It's huge in finding big bucks. Uh, probably one of the most important pieces to, I think, consistently taking mature animals uh, as a whole is having the time to dedicate yep. to being back there. Because you, if you haven't scouted and you have a buck, I don't, I don't get a whole lot of days to scout anymore. We're, we're going in, you know, um, just working our tail off and separating from other folks and then just trying to find the best buck in that specific area. And uh, what sets us apart, I think, is just having those 10 to 12 days to be able to do that. Um, And then having the right gear, the right nutrition, feeling good on day 10 as you did on day one. Um, I I try to eat real clean Mm -hmm. so that, uh, you know, I'm never lacking for energy. Never, my brain's never saying you wanna go, but my body's and then you know checking out I, I don't ever want that to be what keeps me from getting an animal opportunities on big bucks are like few and far between yeah so um it's not a great answer but that <laughs> i guess that is the answer, no, that's a great like answer having the time to do it is probably huge and you know you get that question a lot from a lot of guys in their 20s and maybe early 30s that you know maybe they're not in a place i sure wasn't mm-hmm. uh, i never was able to take a 10-day you know, 10 days when I was 20 years old and, and take time off work like that. I'm 48 now and um, have much more uh, ability, much better better ability to take that time off. And, um, you know, having a wife that allows me to do that, she's very independent. Um, you know, we got young girls and, and she can handle anything that life throws while I'm gone mm-hmm. at her and she handles it great. Um, if I didn't have just that, I can tell you I wouldn't take the bucks that I take. Yeah. For sure. All right. No doubt about it. What does your food system look like then? Like, let's say a day's worth of food, what do you got? Day's worth of food? 
Let's oh, make man. that. Can we make it a two-part question? Because I, yeah. I thought about this too on the drive down. I'm interested in what you're eating like this time of year, mm-hmm. as well as like what you're eating when you're in the field. Mm-hmm. And do those differ? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you prep for a hunt, and then what are you taking on your hunt to eat? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think you know we'll start with this time of year, like throughout the entire year. Definitely try to eat clean. Um, I'm married to a naturopathic doctor, so. I am not allowed to eat junk food, even if I wanted to. Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't make it into the house. Um, now we're not like crazy Nazi about sh- all sugars getting cut out or anything like that. We're not that, but we do try to definitely manage it to where we're eating clean throughout the year, um, growing the garden, keeping out the sugars, the boxed foods, processed stuff as much as possible, eating what we take in the fall and um what we grow in the summers things like that just trying to eat as clean as possible and not not being crazy we have kids so we splurge and we do pizza every once in a while but stuff like that but um just as clean as as we feel is adequate to just not set us back so it's mostly just fruits vegetables Mm -hmm. meats that's pretty much it very basic pretty boring bread we we do we spend a lot of time on the birch barrel or the traeger yeah you know we just we do a lot of meat and vegetables and and i'm good with that i could eat that every day for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. there's a trend here trail all us mule deer hunters we eat the same thing pretty much the whole entire year very clean you need to get on that life i'm I'm not too bad i've been doing pretty good you're good lately it's the pops that get you I do, drink so- I do drink soda. Yeah, I drink diet soda. I know I shouldn't, but <laughs> can't help. Guy. It's that fizz. Must be an elk guy. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I think uh, beyond that, you know, to the meals on the mountain, I think that is a great separator um, because I know my diet, like my food bag, my daily was pretty crappy. Mm-hmm. Like it would just be like, you know, Snicker bar and sugary <laughs> snacks, whatever. You know, that was in my 20s. Fast forward to um, being married to a doctor who's uber clean and telling me all the wrongs with my life. Um, Yeah, cleaned up the diet. Uh, I know, you know, back in your 20s, you don't feel inflammation very much. Man. You just seems like you could get away with eating and whatever and maintain it. Then you hit a wall. And my wall was in my 30s, mid 30s. Then all of a sudden it's like, man, I'm not recovering like I used to. Come back from a 10-day trip and you're sore for a week and a half and so you know i got it beaten into my head that recovery is important inflammation is important eating the right foods to keep the inflammation from happening is important so we started doing a lot less of those uh crappy sugars Mm -hmm. in our bags you know eating throughout the year is one thing but then when you hit the mountain not going to um just cheap junk at the gas station type foods so we make a lot of our own um, you know, for the longest time, I would just do simple breakfast, like, uh, build my own oatmeal, you know, just add nuts, seeds, things like that. Uh, dehydrated berries, uh, peanut butter powder, just kind of build my own breakfast. And then, you know, that was okay, but it's not ideal because I do a lot of eggs and omelets and things like that rest of the year. And so, um, I ended up breaking down and getting a freeze dryer mm-hmm. and with a freeze dryer, now I can make omelets. I can make, you know, you can have dairy, cheese. You can make this world-class omelet, eat a little portion of it, throw the rest in the freeze dryer, freeze dry it. And now you come back and package it up, and that's what you're taking on your trip. So now my, my breakfasts are very similar to like a peak refuel scramble. 
mm-hmm. you know, just really good tasting omelet that you're going to make. And then the meals are the same. Um, use a lot of the meat from the prior year, building out spaghettis and lasagnas, stews. Uh, I love like bear meat in there, curry, uh, quinoa curry dishes, and then just freeze dry them or dehydrate them. It's, it's a much cheaper way to go is just grab a $250 dehydrator and build meals mm-hmm. you know, right. to your heart's content. But there's advantages and disadvantages to both. I think the disadvantage to a freeze-dried meal or just owning a freeze dryer is the expense. Yeah. Obviously, it's expensive. But if you're a guy like Brady, you'd probably be a guy that would make sense because mm-hmm. you're spending all those days on the hill. You spend 100 plus days on the mountain every year makes sense and Mm -hmm. it's going to pay for itself and you get to decide what you're eating um now there's great companies out there building good meals now which is great but there's something satisfying about building your own like doing Mm -hmm. your own diy snacks uh making leathers you know we make this uh sweet potato slash pear or banana um fruit leather mm-hmm. and we add a little honey and cinnamon to it and that's one of my favorite snacks up on the mountain and it's super simple to make in a just a dehydrator and then i freeze dry a bunch of fruit so anything from watermelon to honeydews to um you know any kind of apples peaches pears berries all that and then just having these little snack bags of fruits gotcha put together and that's kind of that kind of stuff kind of makes up my my daily you're essentially bag. eating the exact same things just yeah. Freeze dried mm-hmm. or yeah, just prepped for you on yep. the mountain. So it's lightweight and mm-hmm. you know, the nice thing about a freeze dryer, like I can build all my meals right now. Like I got a massive stockpile of freeze dried meals. And uh and it lasts twenty five years, mm. you know. So I've got this mountain that of is forever. Mountain of food. It's astronaut yeah. food once you yeah. freeze dry it. And uh, yet, like if you do a um dehydrator, which is much cheaper, you're only getting a year out of shelf life. And then after that, the nutrition kind of fades. And um, so there's pros and cons for sure. I will, I will say your breakfast skillet that you shared with me mm-hmm. in your bear hunt, it's really good. Good stuff. Like, it is super good. You eat a breakfast skillet every morning then on the mountain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And all that fruit, too. Do you recommend people should eat breakfast? I'm kind of, I'm not very good at eating breakfast. I'm a big breakfast guy. I usually um, eat, I need like to like know. 10, you know, I'm like a mid-morning, like, munch on something yeah i but wish i wasn't a breakfast guy i wish i didn't i know have it's to kind of a pain in the ass i gotta wake up and mm-hmm. boil water and all that yeah but so i'm boiling you, it anyway for coffee so i might right. as well throw some in my so is your lunch a uh, freeze-dried then meal too like what you'll have for lunch mm, it's usually just snacks like usually the the scramble in the morning and then that that meal at night and then middle of the day it's just bars and you know bags of nuts and things like that are you making your own bars then too or are you sometimes yeah we'll do like these um almost like a Heather's Choice packaroon. We'll just make our own macaroons and um, just add whatever we want, like coconut, honey, oat flour, and then just, um, you know, make those. It's real easy. Yeah. Yeah. You guys fruit, getting feedback? Fruit yeah, bags. Yeah. You guys getting feedback in your headphones? Mm-hmm. I got it. We got it out now. What's yeah. your go-to, like, just you – so you always make your own bars? Do you ever bring any, like – Oh, yeah. Buy no, some? What's, like, your go-to? Perfect bars, probably. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I like, you know, um, all the nut butters and things like that. I see Brady does a lot mm-hmm. of those as well. 
Um, those F-bomb ones are great. F-bomb ones are super yeah. good. Macadamia. Macadamia is a good one. Um, there's so many companies out there now that are making like a good clean almond butter with cinnamon or whatever. So what, what, what's like eat. an important – I'm very interested in this, like mm-hmm. food stuff because I'm always like digging in my food because I, I totally agree with you. Like you can totally feel a lot better, hunt harder, be more focused. What's like an ingredient? Let's say you look on the back of a, a bar that you buy. Like what are some two ingredients or – two nutrient facts that you want to look at and be aware of sugar sugar yeah i think that's it for me sugar and i'm i'm not one to go hog wild on protein either in the mountains i think it does more harm than good sometimes i think there's this happy medium of you know there's a line you don't want to cross when it comes to too much protein i mean how many times have you guys been hunting with somebody that's just been chugging down the protein and their guts explode and you know you're paying the price <laughs> oh yeah all the time <laughs> neville no yeah, neville. yeah, it is. <laughs> neville's your guy no but protein to the max yeah I, I think um you know my carb intake it i try to do a little bit cleaner carb but i'm i'm definitely doing more carbs on my hunts um and then a lot more fats you know i add a lot of coconut oil to my meals so that's one thing like on those freeze-dried or dehydrated those little olive or um you can do olive oil but coconut packets like an ounce of that and then you just you just added another 240 calories by adding that one little packet of coconut oil just put it on your meal or just eat it as is so a lot more fats on the mountain for sure you're, coconut you're about mct nuts. oil and or just olive oil and yeah drink it the mct oil do you add it yeah yeah i haven't done i haven't added mct oil yeah i used to do that a little bit when i was trying to do that like stoveless method before what's what's mct oil medium chain triglyceride yeah Mm -hmm. i was going to ask you are you on any other kind of supplements Mm -hmm. do do you are you taking you know bags of supplements any with you or are you doing it now as well yep yep and uh yeah, my wife got me on that train as well. It was uh, one of those. We're gonna have those, to have his wife on this. I know yeah. you should. You really should. She'd be a much <laughs> better. Give me some pills. <laughs> She'd be a much better podcast. Give me anything that I can have that makes me hunt harder and be more focused. I'll take it. Uh, no, I, I've leaned on my wife a lot for the good information, the important information. Um, but yeah, supplements wise, I, I really focus on everything, recovery, and keeping my inflammation down. Like, I don't want an overuse injury. I mean, what a nightmare. Mm-hmm. You don't want, you know, your joints to swell up and have overuse injuries that set you back for a while. So I do a lot of turmeric, mm-hmm. number one. So I do that every day. I do a lot of krill oil. Okay. Uh, I do, I'm one of those hippies that eats a lot of CBD. Like, mm-hmm. I eat CBD every day. Um, and I double it when I go on a hunt. So I'm doing like 50 milligrams most of the year, every day. And then during a hunt, I bumped that up to 100 milligrams. So I'm doing a lot of CBD. And it, it really does help with recovery, keeping the inflammation down. So, you know, I mean, I'll be completely honest, believe it or not, but I don't get sore ever off these hunts, ever. Oh, shit. Like, we can crush a pack out. Oh, I'm crush glad. a pack I'm out. I'm bought in already. Yes, yeah. say no more. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. Because I've Give been so sore. And I, I think a lot of that is, and I'm not just going to attribute that to supplements you take during sure. the hunt. Right. It's, it's the stuff throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But cleaning out those foods that are real highly inflammatory, with the exception of coffee, because I'm never killing that yeah. habit. Um, but the sugars especially. And, and taking, I think that comboed with the supplements that I take really helps out. So mm-hmm. a probiotic, a turmeric, krill oil, um, CBD. 
Nice. Those are the ones that I take every day. And then that probably allows you to go back-to-back hunts without having, like, oh, you're not going to be yep. sore, and the next hunt's going to still start fresh again. Yeah. Never have that anymore. But, boy, I tell you what, in my 30s, I sure did. Yeah. Like, it was getting to the point where, you know, end of November came around, and I was, like, licking my wounds throughout December, just trying to recover and get my yeah, these, legs back underneath These guys me. think I'm crazy, but I keep telling them, like, the older I've gotten, the more sensitive I am to, like, what I eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted, based, you know, Same. anything. But the older I've gotten, like, if I eat poorly, like, I pay for it the yeah. next day for sure. You can feel it. Yeah. yeah. It was... It was the year I turned 38 that it really, like, set in. Me too. About the yeah. same age. I'd say, like, 37, 38. Yeah. In, like, the last, what, five years, I guess. Yeah. I can definitely feel the difference. That's that's the year that you realize you're not invincible. Yeah. This stuff's <laughs> yeah. going to catch up to you. So. Look at that, Neville. you got a lot of years to look forward to. <laughs> well, I'm already, I'm already ahead of it, dude. I'm already thinking about it. You're I'm gonna, 28. You're going to pack I'm already worried about how food <laughs> makes you feel and all you that You could shit. be Superman because if you were doing this at 28, um, you know, most people, it takes forever to figure out. And, you know, I had to help with my wife or I'd probably be suffering right now. But if you started doing this, like cleaning out your diet, cleaning up your diet, and then these subs and things like that, you'd be just that far, yeah. you know, more ahead of the game. Yep. You I'm get this compounded effect of having done it all those years. I'm on that yeah. train right now. Nice. I mean, what's, what's scarier than getting an overuse injury that, uh, like a bum knee or a hip or something right. from just using it through the inflammation, trying to fight through when, you know, you're not recovered. And, you know, like you said, these, these back to back to back hunts that we do now, um, if you weren't staying ahead of it, you're going to pay the price. I don't know if you're going to be hunting until you're 70. Right. If yeah. you don't do something different. Yeah. That's the big so. thing I think about too, is like, you know, I want to hunt and do these things for as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, that's why I've been doing, like, yoga and shit lately, mm-hmm. trying to stretch. I'm not flexible at all. Yeah. So I've been, like, in the morning, I try to do, like, 30 minutes of yoga, just nice. watch some YouTube videos, try to limber up. Yep. Hopefully that helps me out a little bit. I think it'll really help your, um, like, if you're bow hunting, stalking in on yeah. a muley or something like that. You know, when you have, like, you have to move the slowest snail's pace for a long period of time. You know how you, you're just completely spent and wiped out? Like, mm-hmm. there's no workout that crushes you more than try to go, you know, like 15 or 50 yards in like two hours. You're tensed up the right. entire time. That's that's what I feel like where I feel like yoga would be like probably really beneficial. Mm-hmm. For sure. But I watch my wife do it every day. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> drinking coffee, watching. Drinking coffee. <laughs> exactly. Yep. 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 So a lot of these spots going back to like you're going in, you know, you're going in far, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a spot picked out. And like, are you ever worried? What do you, what do you do if you get there and you're not seeing deer? Oh, you always have backup plans for sure. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's definitely areas that we kind of, um, expect to go into and find, you know, bucks that historically we've always found them, but you can, these days, I mean, it's public land. You you can never count on somebody not being there. You can never count on things being the same. Wolfpack moves in everything's blown out you better have some backups or you're just setting yourself up for a a big fail so um you know having a hunt plan where if option a isn't going as planned they're not there there's somebody camped there you go straight to b like immediately don't even think about it don't don't pull up the maps at that point and say all right gosh dang it i gotta find a spot Mm -hmm. to go you're like oh all right yeah. yeah. Are there other specific terrain features you're looking for, like when you're doing your e-scouting or anything, finding these spots? Um, yeah. I mean, just, you know, very similar to, I think, probably what Brady does. Uh, you'll hear Livesey. I think you guys have had him on mm-hmm. a podcast. 
um, you know, when you're doing all your e-scouting, a lot of the things that I'm not necessarily looking for features that I think where I think deer will be, but I'm checking all the access points. I'm checking out all the roads. I'm looking at those areas in between those positions that are going to be difficult. The people aren't willing to go to those places excite me more than mm-hmm. looking for a water source or a feed area or something like that. But really just trying to pinpoint where all those access points are or where people may be coming from and avoiding those all together and finding that little spot in between there that, uh, that just makes the most sense where mm-hmm. your, your worry about running into somebody is, is very slight. I yeah, feel like yeah. that's different for elk and mule deer. So like elk, I definitely think you can look for certain attributes, mm-hmm. you know, based on feed, cover, water. 100%. And you can pick those out on a map for an elk. Whereas a mule deer, I mean, mule deer, you can really find them from everywhere. I, I feel yeah, like they're anywhere. they're way more susceptible to just like you're saying to hunting pressure than, than maybe they are drawn to like a piece of feed or water. Because, I mean, they can go without water for three days, you know, and they yep. can make a trek down to a water source where they can get it from vegetation. Yeah. You know, elk they just seem to be so much more, you know, reliant on one, you know, a certain type of habitat feature. Livesey was just in here yesterday telling me he read some study. You were you were on that podcast. Yep. No. Where he said mule deer they did won't move that far from hunting pressure. They'll just find like little nooks to hide from whereas elk will clear country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the biggest bucks I've ever killed. What does that, that tell way? you? Mule deer are just so smart. smart. They're, yeah. they're they the are. fairer species. <laughs> they are they smart. don't have to spend that energy. They just they just work around people, yeah. Figure yep. it out. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you nailed it, Trail. That's uh very I think true is is you can you can get on your maps and do your e scouting and just have all these features that you're looking for when it comes to elk mm-hmm. and really get a good plan together. Like it's got these five different things that I'm looking for. There's going to be elk here. Yep. Mule deer, it, it really is, um, when folks ask, it's like the only thing I can answer that with is uh, just looking for areas where I'm going to avoid folks because yep. you could yep. literally, like Brady said, you can find them almost anywhere. It's, it's a hard thing to narrow down. Like when you were trying to answer your question, I'm just thinking about myself, and it's like, I don't know if I'm not a very good teacher or explainer, but like it is difficult to explain what you're really looking for besides for just banking on experience and kind of knowing, like you said, those little pockets, mm-hmm. pockets here and there, hold animals. Yeah. You get the same exact mountain range, like two different ones, and one will have deer and one just won't have deer. Right. You could have all the same habitat features, all the same ridge lines, all the same slope, all yep. that. Same facing mountain, but just doesn't have deer. Yep. Just I think, little core I think areas. where it may be different more easily you could easily explain it would be like say you're hunting like a migration mm-hmm. area yeah. now that you could you could definitely on a map figure out okay there's this massive area there's these main ridges running down to towards the winter range and there's going to be areas amongst that that section where they're traveling that you're they're probably going to hold up those you can probably key into much better and we do um, some of those late season hunts those late mid to late October and then well through November Mm -hmm. trying to figure out, you know, how high we need to be. And if the snow is here, where they're going to be things like that. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good tip. You know, look, look for those pockets, you know, Mm -hmm. you you have to have some feed, but you know, a mule deer Mm -hmm. can, you know, they can get by. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's one thing that never even enters my head now is water from mule deer. Yeah. Yeah. Now Nevada is different, I think, but Washington, Idaho, Montana, water is never in the equation. Mm-hmm. Like it's never like, oh, there's water there. There's probably going to be deer there. It's kind of water everywhere mm-hmm. yep. in the Rockies. 
And even some areas like you look at, you know, that western range of Wyoming, G and H. I mean, there's a lot of not, there's not a lot of water mm. in the in the upper ends of those where some of those bucks yep. are at, you know. But they're and they're, I swear they don't even drink. I don't they, either. They're just getting it through the moisture and the feed. Yeah, those yeah. mornings and yeah, if they've got some dew or you know some grass and yep. they, they can pull enough moisture, it seems. Again, yeah. that's why I love reading those biology reports. Yeah, animal studies, what they need, what they don't need. Mm. Yep. No, and I agree with what Mark said. I mean, some of the biggest bucks I've ever killed have all been just in a tiny, I mean, I've, I've either had a truck hammer picture or I've glassed them up one time and, you know, ultimately ended up killing that buck within, you know, a half mile of that spot. And, you know, I've hunted for weeks on end and, you know, never been able to find that deer, even though he's here somewhere. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've always said that too. I think the bigger bucks hold a tighter home range. Mm-hmm. I even missed a buck one year with my bow and killed him in the same basin two days later. He never left. Yeah. Same spot. Just hung out there. That's his home. I mean, if you think about a mule deer, they're so susceptible to predation, right? So you have mountain lions. Um, you know, if, if a deer widens its home range, you're essentially, you know, opening yourself up to more likely encounter with a predator, right? Whereas if you hold a tight home range and you know that thing inside and out, you know how to use it, you know where the hunting pressure comes from, you, know, you can potentially prolong your life. That's what I've yeah. always thought. It's like, I don't your, know. it's like your house, how you live in your house. You know all the extra points. Especially me. That's around. why I'm going to yeah. be an old buck because I just live right there in my house and I never leave. <laughs> danger driving around <laughs> that's it yeah i had a i had a buck one time i was actually in this state uh, nevada and um it it gave me the slip um wind changed it it busted out on me and uh, i was coming down down on it and i stayed in that area it was the buck i wanted it was him or nothing mm-hmm. and uh six days later that buck came out of nowhere he was he didn't go far like i would i'd move over i'd glass the adjacent drainage go back over the other side glass it ended up always coming back to the middle where i'd seen that buck and um on that sixth day i ended up i was up there glassing and that bugger he hadn't gone far he just stayed tucked away yeah and he came right back and put himself right back into the same bed that he was in when i was stalking him the first time yeah and there he was yeah i ended up getting him great big buck I think early season they like, I mean, they know those beds. They know, mm-hmm. you know, they know the air currents. They know, you know, where they can see. I mean, they get used to them. It just makes sense. You yeah. know, they've, they've got their, their needs met. And yep. They're just a much higher life form than an elk. <laughs> <laughs> which which tastes better, though? Yeah. Oh, I think if you do it right, you know, they're pretty good. Everyone uh, always says they don't taste good. But it's like, I've never I never said they don't taste good. They do good. taste good. I know, they just don't taste like, good I get that elk. feedback lock. Do you actually eat all those deer? It's like, yeah. I love every single one yeah. of them. Elk just tastes better. They do taste. I have better. elk in my freezer, and I will say that some of the mule deer I make is better than what the elk. Now is. you know Brady's Would you liar. say <laughs> bear is the best? Bears, the best bears though? ranks way up there. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't eaten a lot of bear. No, no. Every once in a while, I want some. I, I want some bear fat from Brady. I, he did that. Mm-hmm. Melted down a bunch of fat. Yeah, I got some jars. Rendered. I got a yeah. lot of extra jars. I even made some small. I made a bunch of small jar ones. Those are the ones I gift. I don't want to uh, give them, you know, the big jars. Big pint yeah. jar. <laughs> so you just cook with bear fat instead of like olive oil or other mm-hmm. stuff. Just mm-hmm. bear fat. Yeah, yeah, it's an easy way to go for sure. Yep. So yeah, I, that's why I want to get a fall bear. Yeah. Like, I always see small fall bears. I never see it get the big giant. Those one, giants tuck away. They you do. know, even in the huckleberries, they. When the huckleberries keep getting at more elevated on the hill, more elevated, inevitably it gets to the top and it everything opens up, those huckleberry fields up on the top. I swear the smalls and mediums all come up, the big ones just stay down. Really? Hmm. They just they stay focused on some, something else. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them in choke cherries, but 
it is pretty rare to see a mega up in like the top yeah. huckleberry field but that's fine because those mediums kick out a lot of fat like you can get a ton of mason jars of that's the bad thing about these kind of podcasts is we get you know guys like yourself that like to, you know talk hunting and we want to pick your brain and then we get like 50 minutes or an hour you know yeah. it's like yeah. man i could pick <clears throat> pick these guys brains forever this rolls off so natural too like i just enjoy having conversations with people i want to talk to <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I don't enjoy talking to you. You don't guys like talking to me. Yeah. I see you every day, though, Neville. Ryan likes talking to me since I have to sit there and tell him Black Friday's still going on right now. <laughs> oh, man. That was rough. That was rough. <laughs> oh, but there's something we could talk a little about <clears throat> Stealthy Hunter, some of the products that you guys, mm-hmm. that he came out with. Yeah. That we were just looking at those in the gear shop. Because mm-hmm. you, you just recently came out with that glassing pad, right? Yep, it's been out for a little bit, but yeah, we just got them in the gear shop. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. What are the pieces of gear for you that are like difference makers? Difference makers? Man. Or like just some pieces that you really like. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have um, the rifle cover, mm-hmm. scope covers that you, you make, which are, have been great. Um, yeah. Are there pieces of your kit when you build that out that, um, you know, do you feel like make a difference for you? Mm. Yeah, I think the whole kit. I think I just like everything about all the gear mm-hmm. that I'm running, you know, like all of us, we've all probably dialed it into the, we feel like it's the best it could be every do you, year. Do you tinker a lot with your setups or do you pretty much take the same stuff year in and year out? Some tinker I tinker with, some is like just rock solid. Um, you know, backpack, I've been running the same pack for quite a few years. Um, I'm running that big old 7900 Sky mm-hmm. Guide from Stone Glacier. I don't know how, I don't know how you beat like, I don't know how you upgrade from that pack. It just fits me so well. Yeah. It just does everything I ask, everything I need. So that's that's a rock solid. It's kind of a staple. I don't see that changing. Um, Do you run that on the X-Curve frame or mm-hmm. the, the crux? X-Curve. X-Curve. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. That thing just fits me like a glove. And it uh, doesn't slip off my back. I don't yep. feel myself having to pop it back up on my shoulders, which I had problems with with um, certain other hip belts on different packs. Um, but... That X curve, something about it, it just sticks. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have those issues. It carries weight really well, and it's got the, the size. You know, some people might think a seventy nine hundred is is overkill, but mm-hmm. boy, ten twelve day hunts with the amount of food that you bring in on those trips, it's a, uh, it's a time. I mean, it takes up space, like yep. tons of space, and there's there's two pounds of food. You know, you're looking at twenty two pounds of food for a ten day trip. Um, and yeah, you just need, you end up using it all. And, you know, we pack rafts and oars and things like that to get separated from others as well. So I think that 7,900 is just perfect mm-hmm. for, for what we do. What's your approach on knives? What do you use? I'm curious. Man, I don't, Travis Nowatney, his yeah, goat, knives. goat knives. I've been using those for the last few years. Do you like a replaceable blade knife? Like I the, do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I use it at the time of the kill, you know, um, it's real handy breaking it down. So use that Ibex mm-hmm. this year on the spring hunt. Um, prior to that, I was running that, uh, oh, what's the other? Capra Hunter TI. Capra yeah. Hunter TI. Yep, I was using that. I like the uh, the little bits it comes with in case something fails, you know, whether you're a rifle hunter, bow hunter, having those little bits on there and yeah. tools is pretty cool. Um, and then that, uh, that Nitro Tur around the neck, 
that thing is uh i'd have it on right now if i hadn't flown down here yeah i was very careful to remember to take it off because it's just always on my neck yeah yeah yeah, you don't want to fly with something like that. No. Last no, time Brady and I system. took a flight, we had a guy with a handgun. Right in front of us. Yeah. Right in front of Dang. us in, in his pack. Totally yeah. forgot about it. Yeah. Yep. Loaded. Ah. Mm. Loaded, too. It was one in the chamber. <laughs> what? what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where were you guys flying to? Kansas. He was on Kansas on that bird oh. hunt. Hmm. Just had a handgun. He's like, yeah, yeah, I must have just randomly forgotten there. GSA guys were all over him. Like, buddy, you're going to a back room with us right Dude, now. He was sweating. Oh, yeah, he was, he, he was even talking to me. He, was, he like, started grabbing my stuff. I was like, no, that's my stuff. He was all just confused. He was like so nervous. Jeez. Seemed he's like, like a good dude. Yeah, it didn't seem like he was doing anything <laughs> bad, but just totally forgot. Must have yeah. went to the range a day before or whatever Ouch. he did. Gosh, dang. That's a, a stinger. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but I think gear-wise, um, you know, after the pack, um, gosh, everything, sleep system mm-hmm. is all dialed, you know, from – I would never run what Brady runs. <laughs> I don't know how he gets away with that super uh, uber light or whatever yeah, it yeah. is. I'm yeah. running the X light, but um, what is it about? Pound? Uh, another pound. Uh, yeah. So the the 17 ounces. The thing I is, real Ryan, if you ain't living life on the edge, you ain't, you ain't really living. <laughs> <laughs> is that oh. a Ricky Bobby quote? <laughs> ah, maybe. <laughs> something is I don't know. I don't know if that counts. crazy, man. I don't know if that translates. You're crazy. Well, it was funny. Like, we did this hunt, and um, he pulled that out, and it was like eight ounces, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Pedro had one as well. And so we were all taking bets on, like, is it going to pop or is it not going to pop? And, and we were leaning pretty heavy on Pedro. And Pedro's did pop. His did pop. But he was Devil's getting crazy. Pop. I don't know what he was doing in there, bouncing yeah. around, watching <laughs> I mean, watching all those movies all night. <laughs> he was, like, he was Pitch watching Perfect, Pitch or? Perfect and singing and dancing. Yeah. And he blew that pad out real fast. That's the problem with those full of shelters. you got so much room to, you know, move around yeah. at night. Yeah, it's trouble. too much room. But, yeah. No, I, I, uh, I don't skimp there for sure, um, but bag running that Chilkoot mm-hmm. Stone Glacier. Zero degree or 15? 15. 15. Yeah, yep. 15 is – I don't know that I'll ever run a, a zero um, because that time of year, I'm, I've always got a set of puff gear. I've always got the pants. I've always got the jacket. Pant, pants then too. Yeah. You like the puffy pants. Absolutely. Man, yeah. aren't they the best? If you're glassing in November, um, yeah. man, I don't know. I don't know how I did it um, back in the day without the pants. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It just got cold, and I don't think you last as long. Yeah. yeah. And if now it's like, I'll stay here all day. Yeah. But if you sleep in that with your puffy jacket within the 15 degree, I mean, I don't know the rating yeah. at that point, but right. there's no need for a zero. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're just packing extra ounces. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I use the same exact sleeping bag. We just I just wrote a little thing for that article talking yeah. about, like, if you're looking for one sleeping bag to almost do any hunt from – early season to late season that 15 degree yeah and i did the same exact thing just put your puffies on and late yep. season yeah. you'll be just fine there's some people that say it's not smart but it's like you already have that gear you're with already you. carrying you it with you're you carrying all those insulation there's just like you're wearing a sleeping bag so then you're going to go to sleep in your zero and you're going to take off your puffy pants and jacket yep and now it's just sitting there sitting when there. that could be your system yeah so Sa- yeah. save you some weight yeah for sure and yeah. they're roomy those chill coots mm-hmm. oh my god oh yeah so they're roomy great. Yep. Love those things. For tall guys, too. Um, yeah, tall not, guys with big shoulders. Yeah. That's what I tell people, or active sleepers. <laughs> yeah. If you're a guy that likes to roll around a lot at night, that's a great bag for you because it does have a lot of room. Yeah, yeah. Shelters. I mean, gosh, shelters, it's hard not to go with, you know, the classic teepee style floorless. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been the go-to. You take a ground cloth. 
Yeah. Like yep. Piece of Tyvek or it's similar to Tyvek. It's uh Seek Outside has that yep. little very comparable to a Tyvek sheet. Mat. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like a mat. Um but no punctures through that. I've used that thing for years. Yep. Had a mouse chew through it this year. Hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> better Damn better mouse. that than your uh pad. It was on our bear hunt, yeah. Damn mouse. Chewed right up through it. <laughs> he didn't get my pad, but put a hole right through my ground tarp. So Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, we appreciate the time. I know mm-hmm. we could we could probably sit here for another hour and a half, two hours, and just you know I shoot know, the bull, right? talk mule deer hunting and hunting mm-hmm. in general. I'm excited for your uh, your trip to Alaska. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you gonna, gonna be try fun. to you gonna try to film that? Yep, we're filming that one. Um, yeah, we're gonna spend a lot of days up there. So giving up a lot of elk season to go chase uh, uh, yeah. caribou. It's, it's it's worth it. Once. That's totally all right. You can get it's all right. <laughs> yeah, That's right. It's okay. Yeah, you might really fall in love and move up there again. Yeah, <laughs> I know. it's it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. I. I figured eventually some year I would draw a moose tag, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, it's just so. lost cause at this point. Yeah. Yep. Well, cool. We appreciate the time. Yep. Yeah, thanks thanks for, for having me, guys.